Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. What does discipleship mean? Um, in the, you know, oftentimes in, in the church and in Sunday school growing up, if you grew up in the church, uh, we talk about Jesus' 12 disciples, um, the Matthew, Matthew and Peter and Andrew and James and John and all of them, uh, the 12 disciples that walked around with Jesus. But if you look at the way that the word is used in the New Testament uh, throughout both the Gospels and throughout the early history of the church and the letters of Paul, to be a disciple is simply to be all the followers of Jesus. Disciple is not something that was just special to those 12. They had their own special role, but disciple is for all of us. And we are, in a sense, following in their footsteps. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? That's another term that we use often in Christian circles. We talk about being a disciple. We talk about walking with Jesus. You talk about your walk. And what does that mean? So that's really what we see here in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It doesn't use the word disciple, but it does use the word walk. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to... It's very short. It's just That's it. Not a lot, not a lot of Bible to read but we're going to soak deeply into what does this mean to walk with Jesus. So let me pray. Or let me read it first. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you call us to a life of discipleship. We thank you that you make that life possible. We thank you that you have given us Jesus to be our Lord, and you call us to walk in him. Would you show us this morning, as we reflect on these words of yours, what that means for each one of us in our lives. Pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this word would not merely be information for our heads, but truly transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I promised my mystery bag, so I'm going to pull something out right away. Does anybody know what this is? Anybody know? Can anybody see? It's a compass. Who said compass? Good work, Joe. I asked my son Nathan if he had a compass, and he said, well, I've got one on my phone. I said, no, I want a real compass, a real compass. I had to go buy this from Walmart. But what this is, a compass shows you direction. So you could use this compass if you were out in the woods somewhere and you needed to go north or east or west to get out of those woods, you could use this compass to go the right way. But do you know how a compass works? Do you know how it works? It works because it's pointing north. It points north, but it's because of magnets. There's a, the, the North Pole is magnetic, and so it points towards that magnetic North Pole. This compass right now has a problem. If you came up here and looked at it, you would see that this compass is pointing at me. And it's not pointing north. Do you know why this compass is pointing at me? Because I have a very large magnet in my pocket. And wherever this magnet goes, this compass is just going to point right at that magnet. This compass is going crazy right now because this is a very strong magnet. So here's the problem. When God made us, he made us to walk with Jesus. And he made our hearts to point true north. 
But when we disobeyed God, when all people disobey God, it's like we've got this big magnet inside of us that is pulling our compass back to point at ourselves. And so our fundamental problem in walking with Jesus is that we're following ourselves. And so God is calling us, he's telling us that the, the thing here in verse 6 is it says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ Jesus the Lord. Now that's significant because the Lord is not just kind of a fun title. The Lord means he's king. At the time, the Lord was how they would, that word they used for Lord there is how they would have referred to Caesar, the emperor of Rome. They would have said Caesar is the Lord. And so Paul is saying that Jesus is our Lord. He is our emperor. He is the true king. He's the true king of our kingdom. He's the one we should be following. He's the one who has saved us by his grace. That's we have received him. Uh, we have accepted the forgiveness of our sins. And now what are we supposed to do? So walk in him. So walk. Go in the right direction. Follow his commands. Be like Jesus. Jesus is our true king. We must walk with him. But what's the problem? The problem is that our sin keeps pointing us back to ourselves. And so as we look a little bit deeper here into Colossians 2, 6, and 7, we can see some of the practical things that God is calling us to walk with Jesus. First, he dealt with the sin problem in, a, in an ultimate sense by his death on the cross. So when we receive him... As Lord, we're asking him to forgive our sins. So we're saying, Jesus, this magnet doesn't really have power over us anymore. Jesus has taken it away to allow our compasses to point true north. But somehow, we keep thinking that we still have this magnet. And we keep turning back on ourselves. So there's really three things in here that Paul gives us to, to help us walk with Jesus. Three ways. The main idea is we walk with him. That's the command in verse 6. And then it tells us three things. It tells us a who, a what, and a how. The who is in verse 7, rooted and built up in him. That's who, in him, in Jesus. The what is in verse, uh, verse 7 again, established in the faith. That's what we are holding on to. And the how is abounding in thanksgiving. So who, rooted in him, what, established in the faith, how abounding in thanksgiving. So first, if our goal is to walk with Jesus, if he has called us to walk in his ways, and we, we know this. We love, everybody likes Jesus, right? What would Jesus do? He's a good guy. Everybody thinks they should follow in his footsteps, be like Jesus. We just have trouble actually doing it. And so what Paul is calling us to do is to be rooted in him. Go deep. Get to know him well, be focused on Jesus himself, on a relationship with Jesus. And you see, roots, roots, roots are very important. So uh, when I lived, when I first moved to Atlanta with my family in 2012, about a month after we moved into our house, we were woken up by the sound of a tree falling on our house. And the interesting thing about this tree that fell on our house and put a big hole in it, left a pile of bricks in our bed, is that there was no storm that night. There was no rain, there was no wind. The tree just fell. And if you looked at that tree where it fell, you could see the whole root system pulled up. And the funny thing about that root system 
is that it really wasn't there. And these trees all across Atlanta, they're called Southern Red Oaks. They're very big, tall trees with very shallow root systems, which means they fall over very easily. And so what Paul is saying when he tells us to be rooted and built up in him, saying it is possible that you can build up this big structure of what you think is the right way to live, what you think is even the right way to be a Christian. You can make your life look really good, but if you're not rooted in Jesus, if it's not founded in a relationship with a person, you're going to be like this big southern red oak. And when the storms come and challenge you, and they will, people will question you, bad things will happen, you will have your own doubts, your whole system that you've built up for yourself is going to fall over. But if you are rooted deeply in Jesus, then you're going to be like those trees that you see on the side of a river that are still hanging on, even though the ground is all cut out from underneath them. But their root systems are so deep. Those trees are not going anywhere. And this is an image that God uses over and over throughout the Bible of a tree being planted. This is what he wants us to be like. I realize that I'm mixing metaphors. At first I said we were going on a walk with Jesus, and now we're being like a tree planted. But in my defense, Paul mixed the metaphors too. So he said walk in him, and then he said rooted. So we're all good with that. But what does that actually look like for us to seek to be rooted in him? It means we need to invest in a relationship with Jesus. It's not just a matter of words that we say, but what is the key element of any relationship with a person? It's time, right? It's time. That's, that's what all, all relationships, like we could do a lot of marriage counseling and most of it would come down to, you know, some more time together would be good. Quality time together, right? That's what most relationships need, whether we're talking about marriages, whether we're talking about dating relationships, whether we're talking about friendships, whether we're talking about work relationships. Good relationships need time. And so if we want to be rooted in a person, in a relationship with Jesus, we need to invest time with him. And so the question for each of us to consider is really how much time am I investing in being rooted in Jesus. And like we know from any relationship, it's not always obvious how that time pays off. It's not always a one-to-one, -one, oh, I spend this time and I got this out of it. But we know that the investment of time is worth it for the strengthening of a relationship. And we know that when we talk about something as important as walking with our king, with the king of the universe, we need to invest time in it. And there's lots of different ways to invest time in your relationship with Jesus. You can invest time in your relationship with Jesus by being committed to Sunday morning worship, to spending your own time during the week in prayer, to having spiritual conversations with other important people in your life, by being committed to a group during the week, like I was just talking about, about dinner and prayer, or a growth community, or that kind of thing. There's different ways to invest time in the relationship, but the question for each of us is how are we investing time in our relationship with Jesus that we might be rooted in him. So we're rooted in him, then we're established in the faith. And this is interesting, and it's worth paying close, this is why we're spending time sitting in this. We're not just established in faith, we're established in the faith. See, it's what Paul is, Paul is not saying here, you've just got to believe in something. 
There are plenty of people in the world today that would tell you that you just got to believe in something, that having faith is what matters, that that's what makes a difference, that you have something to hold on to. But Paul will have none of that. God will have none of that. God says what matters is not that you have something to hold on to. What matters is what you are holding on to. I was out on the, uh, I was out on the ropes course, uh, the adventure park here in Virginia Beach the, uh, just yesterday with my kids. It was the birthday present from their grandmother. I took them to the adventure park ropes course. We're, tied, we're, we're always locking into the ropes so we can be held up. Now, if I took those carabiners that are locking me into the ropes that are attached to the trees and I just locked them into my own harness, it doesn't matter how much faith I have that they're going to hold on. They're not holding on to anything. They're just holding on to me. And so if you just have faith in something, ultimately your faith is in yourself. And that magnet that is in your pocket is going to always be turning you back towards yourself. And instead, Paul is telling us, God is telling us, that to go with this compass, we need a good map. You can't really use a compass very well unless you have a map that tells you where you are and where you're trying to get. And so when he says established in the faith, he's talking about a body of teaching, a body of belief that we find in God's word, in the Bible. And they already knew that. Established in the faith just as you were taught. They didn't have the same quantity of printed Bibles that we have today, but they had the scriptures. They had the scriptures of the Old Testament. And at this time, as Paul was writing these letters, they were producing the scriptures of the Gospels and the other letters of Paul to say, this is the faith. This is what you must believe. And it keeps us on track. So as we talk about a relationship with Jesus, it's easy even for that to get off track. Like, oh, just me and Jesus and we're spending time together and that's what matters. But that relationship with Jesus is grounded in the established faith. So as we invest time in that relationship, we also invest in knowledge. We invest in understanding more. And some of that is from our own reading, from our own study, but of what? Of the scriptures, of the Bible that we know to be true. But it's also important that we do that in community with other people. Both those immediately around us who can talk to us and say, hey, that's what you're saying right there, that, that's not right. I don't, not just I don't think that's right, but God's people as a whole, the church, have talked about this for several thousand years and have always said that's not right. You know, we have a whole history of the church to draw on a whole history of God's people reflecting on his word together, holding firm to the faith, the body of knowledge. We express this every Sunday when we gather together and we say one of the creeds. We are reminding ourselves of the faith, the basics of what is true. So we invest in a relationship with him because we're rooted in him. We invest in knowledge because we're established in the faith. We seek to know and understand better. And so when we have the who and the what, how does that play out? I think this is fascinating. There's all kinds of things that Paul could have put at the end here. Walk with him, rooted in him, built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught. And what does he say? He says, abounding in thanksgiving. What is supposed to be the outward characteristic of our lives when we are walking with Jesus? We are to be thankful people. We are to be people that the joy and excitement just kind of flows out of us. And when I think of abounding in thanksgiving, if I'm going to slightly mix metaphors again, but stay on the planting theme, I think of the flowers as they come up in the spring. As you've gone through the winter and those flowers come up and all the colors burst out. 
That's who we are to be as the community of God's people. As we walk with him, we are abounding in thanksgiving, abounding in color. But it's not just putting a happy face on it. For those flowers come up in the spring because they were planted in the ground in the fall. In fact, the bulbs that we plant in the fall could not come up as flowers in the spring unless they go through the cold. They need the cold winter to tell them to grow. That's why you plant bulbs in the fall and they come up in the spring. And so, I, I meant to bring some bulbs and I, I forgot them. But, but it's worth remembering that this Thanksgiving often will come through a period of hardship, through a period of suffering. The walk with Jesus while it is abounding in Thanksgiving is not just an easy walk. I'm not here this morning to tell you that life as a disciple that this mission that we have to be dis to disciple people, to work together, to make disciples of one another and of others, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that it's always exciting. Just like time spent in relationships is not always exciting. Time spent studying, investing in knowledge is not always exciting. But we know that it is worthwhile. We know because we have the assurance of Jesus that he is our king. As Philip said earlier when he was talking about the song of what you want from me, that these are all things that we cannot muster up on our own. The practices that I'm encouraging you to invest time to seek knowledge, even for Thanksgiving, to make a habit of reflecting and remembering what God has done for you, to be explicitly a thankful and grateful person, thankful and grateful people. These habits are not to conjure up these feelings in and of themselves, but to take hold of what God has done for us. For in Jesus, our king, our king came and gave his life for us. That the magnet of sin that turns us towards ourselves could be taken away, could be dealt with forever. And then he stays with us by the power of the Holy Spirit, making that work out in our lives. So when he commands us to walk in him, he has also given us all the power, all the tools that we need. So that we can stay focused, keep our hearts focused on him, our compasses pointing rightly that we can walk through this world as Jesus would have us, following his instructions, following his example, by the power of his Holy Spirit. So let's walk together in Jesus' name, rooted in him, established in the faith, and abounding in thanksgiving. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you command us in what to do and that you give us the strength and the means to do so. We pray that you would help us each to see how you want us to take hold of these means. How we can follow more closely in your steps to walk as disciples of you. We give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.